And we're going to look at Moses at, at a 10,000-foot level today. You see, the whole story of Moses, what this was about, and how he was a type and figure of Christ himself. So he was able to, God brought him out to take him through to bring him in to his destiny. And each and every one has a destiny in a place that God has for us. If you take a note, the very first thing we look at in the very beginning, you see that God brought him, brought him out, since his name was means drawn out, salvation. He was saved by God from what conditions was going on in those days. How many of you ever heard of ethnic cleansing? What happened was, if you read the story in Genesis, how Joseph came on the scene and the people of Israel were in he was in Egypt. He became this assistant to Pharaoh. Joseph died. A new Pharaoh rose up. He didn't recognize the children of Israel as, as regular people. In fact, they disdained the Jews. Modern day racism. You got me? You're tracking with me. So he decided, they saw God made a promise. I'm going to multiply the Jews at such an amazing rate. It's going to be out of control. Well, you see, at the beginning, the beginning of Exodus, when you go there, they had midwives who was in charge of delivering the babies. He told the midwives, Pharaoh told the midwives, look, every Hebrew woman that births gives birth to a, a male, you kill that male. Well, I guess God was talking to the midwives, and they said, well, we honor God more than we... They, they took a risk and said, I honor God more than you. And then he came back, how come you guys are not doing what I told you to do? He said this, we tried to get there, Pharaoh, but them women, they were popping babies out so fast... We, it's, in, it's written. It is written. Not making it up. And we couldn't, we couldn't catch him. But the edict was there. Because he wanted to annihilate a people and wipe out the male. You want to annihilate a people? Take out all, all the males. There's a modern day thing going on today. Trying to take out the males. We don't need men. Yes, you do. Okay, it's a caveat to where we're going. But salvation, ethnic cleansings were taken forth. And then we get to notice Moses' parents, their faith. They knew they had a, it says in there, they had a, a beautiful child. They recognized it. In Acts chapter 7, 20, it says, he was beautiful in God's sight. They saw someone special, and they risked their lives, not listening to the king, and they risked their lives and they raised up to three months, and they put him in a basket, and they put him in the Nile River. And you're saying, crocodiles, and not that part of the Nile River, it's not. And they shipped him off. Miriam, his oldest sister, was walking along with the basket. And so happened, Pharaoh's daughter is down at the Nile washing up. Now, she's Pharaoh's daughter. She didn't have to wash in the Nile in the Nile River, but God needed her to be there. So she received Moses drawn out. Now, she's Pharaoh's daughter, but you know dads, if the daughter says, I want it, dad says, oh, you can, honey, anything you want. Because the edict was to, to, to kill him. And then Miriam I love the sovereignty of God. I'm excited about the sovereignty of God. Miriam says, you know, guess, um, do you need someone to breastfeed the baby? And, 
and so he can, he'll be given back to you later? I have just a person. Yes, go get her. So Moses' mother, who wasn't getting paid before, gets paid for nursing her own child. Tell me God isn't real. She does that, and he rolls up. She gives him back to Pharaoh. Saved his life. Saved him from being exterminated. He did more than, she did more than save him from extermination. She saved him to something. See, our salvation, guys, I want you to get this. It's not the final chapter of your book. You're not saved. Just, you just saved. I'm saved from hell. You're saved to God. So now he's saved. She saved him from death and saved him to God in Pharaoh's household. Now, as you're saved, there's a second thing that you get to realize about Moses. Number two is the separation that takes place. Let's look at this. Separation, Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. Something took place in him. They believe his mother was telling him the ways of the Jewish people. And he chose his biological family over his adoptive family. His choice changed the very direction of his life. Think about this. He's in the palace where everything is positioned. Is in the palace. Pleasure of sin, they said. And treasures. You're Pharaoh's son. You have it all. Everyone will bow to you. But he decided to make a choice. See, after you're born, after you start walking with God, this choice is for you to make. You have to walk away from those positions. Gotta walk away from the pleasures of sin. And whatever the world throws at you, treasure, they can throw it at you, but you gotta let you gotta walk with God and believe that thing he said, He will provide. This is a decision you make. It's a choice of separation. It's this way. I used to walk with these people. Then the guy gave my life to Jesus, and I gave them an opportunity, but I can't go the way they're going. I must go a new way. Egypt is going this way. I sense something is off. I sense a people who I, I, I'm with. And God is calling me beyond this palace. He's calling me beyond it. I don't even feel comfortable. And what that's called, there's a man's choice separation, but there's a God-ordained separation. I'm talking about Pastor Rich. What happens is Moses, when he's 40 years old, it says this in Acts chapter 7, that he was raised in all wisdom, all customs of the Egyptians. And he was great in speech. It's amazing. When he got with God, he says he's a stutterer because he was scared. Great in speech. But he sensed something at 40. He goes out. God speaks to him, I believe, and says, guess what? You're, you're going to be the one to deliver Israel. 
So he sees out the window, sees Egyptian messing with one of his brothers. So he goes, he looks this way, he looks that way, kills the Egyptian, and buries him. I'm the deliverer. I made it. The people are going to love me. See two of his brothers fighting. He said, guys, you are not treating each other this way. David said, um, so what are you going to do? You're going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Who told you that? Who told you that? Forty years of knowing the customs of Egypt takes off. That's one school he was in. He went to graduate school in the desert. Forty years to learn how to be a shepherd, how to walk with God. Graduate school. You know where all of us are, some of us are in graduate school? We don't like it, but we need it. Forty years of graduate school in the desert. I went from the palace to sheep, but I met a bad lady. That's awesome. Got two sons. But these sheep, they stink. Every day. That separation was taken, not taken completely the ways of Egypt, but taking the mentality of Egypt out of Moses. So when he came out of the desert, he had, he had an identity who God called him to be. He was smart with wisdom of Egypt. He was also smart of the people of Israel, and he was also smart of the ways of God. So he can be the bridge and be prepared because separation is preparation. Separation is preparation. We serve an awesome God with amazing grace. He finds you where you are, but he does not keep you the same way you came in. Because there's something for you to do. And you saw now, when we look back here, you see uh, ethnic tension. One race didn't appreciate the other. Sounds like today. I'm going to take a risk and share some things with you. When I read the story at 10,000 feet, and then we had Pastor Kevin in last week, and we were reminiscing in the, whole, in the restaurant and just catching up. Brought some things back. And this part here about separation, how God prepares you for your next thing or prepares you for the thing he has for you. When I looked at it, I said, Moses' life kind of mirrors my life. I'm like, wow, I didn't think of that. Because, you know, I was, some of you might notice, some of you don't know, I was, I was a foster child. Both my parents were born, I mean, were in jail when I was born in Grasslands Hospital. In fact, I met someone in this first service that said, I was born in prison too. I said, yeah, I was born in a prison hospital, Grasslands Hospital, because they were heroin addicts. And I was on heroin. Came, I was born into that. And uh, so I got put in the Edwin Gould uh, Child Services and, um, and I got my first family, you know, it was amazing. And they took me in and, 
and said, uh, well, Edwin Gould, we got to take him back. He's a, he's a tad too dark. So he took me back. So I didn't get placed into a home until I was 13 months old. So I, I got in a family who came from my family, my mother, and my dad. My dad, if you recognize him, his complexion was David's complexion. And then my mom was my complexion. So, you know, we had a lot of talk going around in school. But they came from the South, but the South didn't come with them. They taught me about, you're going to meet ignorant people, but you don't have an ignorant response. People aren't born this way. They're taught. So their job was, when we lived in South Ozone Park, that is a segregated area. So our job is, let's desegregate it. Okay, no one looks like us. But we enjoyed it because I tell you what, it was, I mean, we had a great time. In fact, if you know, if you look at your Time Warner, Time, yeah, Time Warner, if you know the, uh, the CEO of Richard Parsons, Richard Parsons was down, the Parsons family was down the street from me. You can look it on Google, it's Richard Parsons, he was running Time Warner and all that stuff. CEO, amazing. His brother Skip and all those guys. And we stayed there. Went to elementary school, and I couldn't find the picture. And I remember taking a picture of graduating. I was, I was easy to catch. I mean, easy to see, because I was the only one that was, you know. But I, it, wasn't, it wasn't the color of the skin. It was them high waters with the suspenders we used to wear. You know what I mean? Like, you look like an Urkel. That's where Urkel came from. I was Urkel Jr., okay? And you had to wear them, because, and then you had your Buster Brown shoes on, right? I mean, I was cool. That's before I met Donna, now I'm cooler, right? So, so then we moved to Queens Village. I said, okay, Queens Village is going to be amazing. And Queens Village, um, segregated. Um, guess what? Yeah, what? Well, first, boom. Mom, Dad, what is this? And if I have a couple of fights. But God was preparing me. My mom was making choices. My parents were making choices to prepare me for life. Well, in 19, well, I'm not going to tell my age. I was born in 1957. Figure it out. Okay. Um, we had this thing called busing. So I was in school, and I'm about to graduate from uh, elementary school, and we're high-fiving, CFPS 102, 107, and we're like, yeah, we're going to be in junior high school together, and then all of a sudden, got a letter, you're not going to 107, you're going to PS 192. I said, where's PS 192? Hollis, Queens. Hollis, you mean the Hollis I see on the Q2 I passed out on That place. Now, the only thing about Hollis, Queens, they had a white castle there, and I'll give, you, I'll give you, maybe some of you guys, who ever heard of the group Run DMC? How many of you heard of Russell Simmons? Okay, Russell Simmons went to school with me, okay? That's how young I am. So I go to this all-black junior high school, and here's the thing. I'm black, but I wasn't that black. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Right? And my mother was like, what's going on? I don't know. I was supposed to go to 107. I'm the only one on the block going to 192. 
So I'm like, okay. So we went seventh grade, eighth grade, and then I learned how to get suspended. We got suspended. The whole eighth grade, I stood up because I, I know my mother was going to beat me if I didn't. We got suspended because we wouldn't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem. Go figure. And then all these protesters, they're strong. We're going to unify. Da, 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 da. They bring our whole parents, they bring our parents, put them all on the stage, and they start the Pledge of Allegiance. And all the protesters and all the strong and all the big faith guys, they stood up. Why? Because <laughs> mama isn't playing. Because she's missing pay to come see you not get up. And the other good thing about it was they taught black history, which was amazing. Because I didn't learn that in regular school. Black history wasn't taught. So I went through two, two years of black history. My mother and father taught me black history all the time. But they really got learned black history. So I said, okay, that's great. Get out of 192. Um, I put in for a special school, August Martin High School, aviation school. It's an amazing school. I'm going to go there. I got accepted to that. Russell Simmons got accepted to that. I show up with my acceptance letter. They chose to show up first class. They go, um, I said, I'm Richard Brown. And, I'm, and they looked up and Um, we, we don't see you. Well, you got to look again. Uh, my mom said, oh, no. So, busing, home three days. Busing, where are we going now? We're going to Martin Van Buren High School. A Jewish school, all Jewish school. Amazing school. We were new, brand new. And how to get there, we had to walk them out to get on a bus, a nice bus, city bus. Now, the city bus was so amazing, and we were so special, the bus said special. <laughs> so we drove down, and we got out of school, and went to school, and got back on a special bus, and you got to get back on the bus, or you weren't going to make it home. And you got back, and we were special. But here, I met some friends. I said, man, they said, we can go... We can go, go, go home with you and hang out with you. I said, dude, you can't get on my, you can't get on my bus. Why? Because we're special. <laughs> I rode that bus twice. The rest, I just take the Q44 and the Q2. I was not getting on that bus. Special. Special buses. Busing. I ran track. Played basketball. That means I had to miss the special bus. When you miss the special bus, you got to walk home. So when you walked home, um, people, you just keep walking. And it was about three miles, four, five miles, and you walked. And occasionally you had to run because people had a way of saying hi to you. They drive by and they throw stuff out the car and they say, hey, you're number one. <laughs> and uh, if you said anything, like, then you have to run. I was so good because I ran a lot. And I, and I heard names I never heard before. But can I say this to you? I didn't get bitter. I got better. God was preparing me for this. So I, we went through that. I learned a lot. Met some good teachers, met some bad teachers. Met some that hyped me up and some just, what are you even doing here? <laughs> 
type thing. But I learned what my parents taught me, but then I also had to learn what God was doing to me. Because then I went in the military. After they, they passed away when I was 16, so I had worked to about 2021. 20, I went to the military, and they told me how to survive in the military. You got to do triple the work to get the awards. So that's what we do. And we learned something. They sent me to South Carolina, where I discovered there is a, a line. Wow. This side and that. Whoa. Never seen that before. But I used to go on both sides. Now we're planting a church there, praise God. But I learned. Had no idea. And I'm taking a risk saying that. Some of y'all might say, well, here's the thing. I learned not to get bitter. I learned to get better. I learned how to identify those who really love you and those who are giving you lip service. I learned about people's, you know, President Lincoln was an amazing guy. Okay? He's an amazing guy. He did a lot. But his worldview, you do a lot, but you're not marrying my daughter. That's fine. But you don't know who you are until your son or daughter comes home with you ought to see your face. <laughs> There's your worldview on how you view people. So I learned how to view people, and I learned how to view people. I had to learn that because you need to know that today, especially where we are now because this place is a, this is a miracle. But if I didn't learn that, if I got bitter, I wouldn't be doing this because when, when I got here in Abilene, I hit something, I hit a wall then too. And I had to make a choice to stay it, to stick it out or quit. But I learned people are ignorant, but you don't give an ignorant response. People don't have the gospel, so they don't know what to do. Yes, you're right. And that's what it is. So what was God doing to uh, Moses? He knew all the ways of Egypt. He knew all the ways of Israelites. And he knew all the ways of God. And that whole area, all the Hittites and Knights, he knew every one of them because he studied every one of them so he can then be ambassador to God to all of them. Wow. So when you get done with your, your separation, which he will ordain, some of y'all are in it right now. Is that what that is? Yes. Stick it, stick it out. Why? Because your next thing is, as he brings you out, takes you through separation, he brings you in. Service. Service. So you're qualified for service. Not a degree in service. The anointing of service. Because degrees are not going to help us where we are today. You've got to have a people who, don't, who recognize and love who they are but not be defined by it. Because we all bring something great to the table. But I had to learn that. I didn't grow up knowing that. My parents set me up for God to really set me out. Moses was set up to be sent out. If you go too fast, you'll blow it up. That's why he killed the Egyptian. That's the ways of Egypt. So when someone says something crazy on social media, the ways of Egypt is, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you're racist, bye. That's the way of Egypt, not the way of the kingdom. Now, we tried this years ago, 
And we had a church, we had a church spurt, growth. We lost 100 people who didn't want to deal with it. But now it's in our face. And we understand, the reason why I'm bringing uh, we understand that this is, a, this is a tripping point for people. This is a stumbling block. I hit the wall this week on and some business things we're trying to take care of. And it came to me like, and I said, Lord, am I being the stumbling block to this church? He said, no. Remember when I taught you? Remember when I taught you? Remember, you told the staff, I can, this is not easy because of who I am. It's not easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. It's just not easy. But it's fulfilling. It's amazing. We stick it out. So I like my son. The song he wrote, making his, I mean, history, making history. He had to deal with the same stuff out there. When he, they said, they said when, he, when he said, no, Abilene High, you're not black. You're not black. I'm like, yes, you are. And then Miss Donna, that's a whole different story. She's lighter than I am. Ooh, another deal. Not even going to go into that. Because they don't know who she is. Little Hispanic guys running around. My, so we get away from her. She's black. <laughs> okay? <laughs> for service. Prepared for service. When you come in here, some of us were new, some have been coming. I don't know if I want to jump in because it can be uncomfortable for you. Yeah. One, you'll, you'll hit, and I hit my prejudice, but you'll really hit your worldview. How do you really feel? We all hit it. We all have to hit it to get where we need to go. It's disguised as preference, disguised as what I like. This disguise. Moses knew a lot about the Egyptians and the Hebrews, but he knew a lot more about God and cared what he thought versus what everybody else thinks. So, because I this boy, I'm bringing this up because some people ask me, Pastor Rich, you don't say much about anything. Well, you know, ask me, I'll tell you. It's nothing. One, it's an ancient problem. This is nothing new. Two. Yeah, we got suspended for that and, you know, football and, and basically people can't get along without the gospel. That's just, I mean, you, you know, let's talk about white privilege. Let's talk about black anger. Well, you got to realize something. Without the gospel, we can never talk about it. You know, Jesus was privileged, right, in heaven, in a gray spot. And he came down, lost all that, and became a servant to us, a servant to us. He was privileged. He dropped it and became humble. And we all have our territory. Guess what? For the gospel to work, we got to drop it. I don't, I don't extinguish it. I'm proud of it. But I have something to bring to the, to the middle of the table. And it's risky talking about it because some people can check out. Like I, when I talked before, one guy said, you were doing okay until you went to that stuff. And it's all right. It's fine. That's, you just hit your point. You just hit your choke. choke it's fine. Everyone loves unity until it's in your will well. But unity without diversity is uniformity. But unity with diversity is amazing. So I don't get bitter 
I get better. So I don't hang on to stuff. When people hang on to stuff, all they become is bitter. For what? Like you're Jesus? You're not Jesus. Get over it. Because you're, you're going to die. No one's going to care how bitter you were. I mean, really, right? Just going to, I mean, I'm mad at you. Well, get over that. I'm mad at me too. All the time. All the time. I make myself sick sometimes. Right? Why? Well, I, I prepared. And when I hit the wall, yeah, that's what that is. Man, I thought I was past all that. But service. Jesus came to serve. How's everybody doing with this? You see what Moses was doing at 10,000 feet? I try to help people when we talk about it. I said, don't have expectations on people of color that they ought to come to you. All you're doing is saying that you're superior to them. Don't do that. You don't, if you don't understand, get some understanding. But we can do that under the eyes of God, the gospel. It's the only hope we got, guys. Anger is not going to fix it. Laws just ain't helping. And we, we, le- we relegate it to sports. Sports is just a... It's a great thing, but not the thing. The gospel is. Amen? Amen. And how he did, what Moses did, he persevered in the mission God had given him. How did he do that? He was able to see Christ. And the clearer Christ came, the clearer his mission is, became. He's able to see. He fixed his eye worth seeing. He fixed his eyes on Christ. And when he fixed his eyes on Christ, he was able to see clearly, but he was also able to grow in his faith. What he was doing is fixing his eyes on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was taking a people out of Egypt. And he wasn't afraid. Pharaoh was angry. We know that. He was angry when he left the first time. That's what he's talking about. Took him out of Egypt, and then he had to have this thick skin and the, and the soft heart when he took them to a place, they got nervous and said, you just brought us out here to die. And all, all those things he had to say, he went from, Lord, if you love me so much, and everyone, every minister has this moment, just kill me. Kill me and replace me right now. And God said, I ain't going to kill you. But he kept reminding, these are your people. These are your people. And then God said, no, this is your people, Moses, and I'm going to destroy them. And Moses said, I'm going to pray for them. And like, how do you go from going to die to praying for them? Separation, preparation. Humility. Have to have humility walking with the kingdom of God. I know a lot, but I don't know anything God, a lot more than God has. I don't build my, my shingles on, I don't build all that stuff. That's why you don't see me put my things on my wall. I graduate, I don't care. All I know, I'm still paying for it. <laughs> but if it's important to people, it's important to them. Here it is. You ought to see my awards. Me and Ms. Don said we got to put them up in the garage or something. And what is great faith? It's faithfulness over a lifetime. Great faith is faithfulness over a lifetime. And in a church like this, people are going to hack you off. They're going to kick on your last nerve. They're going to go beyond your thinking and your comprehension on what they do. And that's what happened to Moses. He was getting, I mean, he was getting beaten down. And he said, you know something? I'm prepared for this. 
And this is better for you than this for me. That's what it's about. Salvation. Separation. Service. Being poured out like a drink offering. For all y'all to drink. (laughs) And open your life up like, oh my gosh, to be judged. But, you know, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. And the greatest advantage is for the young people to understand that. And for the older folks to get a better clue of it. And for us know-it-alls to drop it. That's why we're prepared for the day. Preparation. Separation. How many felt the sting of separation when you walked in this building? No one's admitting it now because you're all afraid. I, no, don't be afraid. I did. <laughs> like, these people are weird. They drop all up. Had to know how to clap and stuff. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I fell in love with it. And I know what God was intending me because he's, so, he's not so caught up in who you are. He's caught up in who he wants you to be. And that's the process of separation. I hope this helps somebody. Don't take this as an African-American guy saying something. No, it's the gospel. My whole life's about the gospel. If it wasn't for Jesus and my mother being my Sunday school teaching me, teaching me about Jesus, I've been bitter a long time ago. But I want to be better. Every day I want to be better than I was yesterday. And I don't want to hold on to stuff that's going to kill me and destroy me. Every head bow, every eye close. The greatest thing about this process is the very first one, salvation. Had to start with salvation. If I wasn't saved, I, couldn't, I wouldn't be here. Probably be somewhere, a statistic somewhere. My parent, if my mother wasn't a, a Christ follower, I would have been a statistic somewhere. But then I had to grow up and learn my own faith. But some of you might, grandma told me about Jesus. I'm here because it's church. But have you really given your life to Jesus? Have you really said, I believe, I confess, and I believe, and on my heart, you die and you raise from the dead for me. I believe that you're the Lord and you're my Savior. And I know I need a Savior. Otherwise, I can't do nothing right or get anything accomplished. And I'm, tired, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And there's opportunities after opportunities come by and say, you want to give your life to Jesus? You want to say, hey, I just I want to surrender. That's what it is. It's called surrender. Just a marvelous life. <laughs> is it trouble-free? No. But you get better, not bitter. If that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, this moment. Wherever you are, just put your hand up. Wherever you are. Anybody, it's your time. Anybody want to give their life? I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Wherever you are, if you keep your hands up, we're going to have someone come by and grab you. Wherever your hand is, keep your hand up so someone can come by and talk to you. Wherever you put your hand up at. 
Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Second call. Okay. Second call. I need to, Pastor Rich, I need to really re-engage Jesus. I kind of got separate in my separation. <laughs> got a little discouraged in my separation. Got a little, in my preparation, I'm kind of pausing right now. And I want to take my foot off pause and I want to get back. I want to start walking with Christ again. Even though you never blew the relationship, it's just I'm far, I feel far from him. I don't know the reason why I feel so far from him, but I feel far from him. If that's you, just raise your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these amazing people that raised their hand. Lord, it's just like a cell phone. The phone, I dropped the call, but you never dropped the line. So I say as you re-engage them right now by the power of your spirit. And Father, let them know. Everyone here, they'll know, God, that when you look from heaven, you saw Moses and saw he was a beautiful child. And Father, let them know when you look from heaven, you see us as beautiful sons and daughters, not slaves. And Father, I thank you for that, God, that you saw that he was a sight to behold, like all of us or your children are a sight to behold. I pray for all who might be going through that preparation or wherever they are right now in life. Father, I pray that you touch them, engage them this morning. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'll get a lot of hand claps, somebody. <laughs>